on any given day, morning or afternoon, I could walk into the country junction and I would find Bob sitting there kind of holding court uh, with the rest of the guys. If he was sitting there, I would walk up to him and I'd stick my hand out and I would say, hello, Mr. Cottle, sir. And he'd shake my hand and he'd say, hello, you. Well, he'd say hello. He'd say hello. I love the relationship I had with Bob. There are very few people who are as honest with me as Bob has been honest with me. And, and it was honest. It was friendly. He made our relationship real. And I, I miss him. And it's, it's hard for me to call him Bob. Uh, and I, I know you, you called him other names too. Um, but, but he was always Mr. Coddle to me for some reason. I, I can't explain why, but in my head, it was always Mr. Coddle. And he was, he was always a farmer in my head. Uh, that's just how I saw him and the way he drove his truck and his attitude, you know, the way he dressed, you know, with those pre-seed corn hats and jackets and those kind of things. To me, he was just a, he was just a farmer and that's what I saw. I read the words of Jesus, and Jesus had a lot to say about farming. That was a big part of his community as well. And some of Jesus' best stories revolve around farming. A sower goes out to sow seed, and he scatters it on different rocks. A young man works on his father's farm and decides that he's had enough, and he wants to leave and go find his way in the city, and he ends up coming back to the farm. Some of the most poignant statements that Jesus made revolved around farming and even as his own death was was approaching he made a statement that explains to us who he is what he was doing and what his death means to us john chapter 12 verses 23 and 24 jesus answered them the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified truly truly i say to you Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now, we might not understand death. It's beyond our grasp. It's beyond our experience. But growing up here, we know farming. We understand farming. We understand the work. We understand the effort. And we understand the benefits And what Jesus tells us here is designed to bring us comfort and peace and understanding. He tells us, first of all, that death is part of the plan. Death is a certainty, isn't it? I mean, there's there's no way out. And so it's not an enemy to be feared. It's a reality to be faced. Jesus addressed death on two levels. He talks about his own death. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then he addresses death as a universal experience. He tells us in verse 24, unless a single grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. You and I, we see that every year. We see that displayed for us over and over again. Every spring at planting, the seed is put in the ground. And I wonder, how many of those seasons did Bob participate in? You know, how many of those was he out there planting and cultivating and then eventually doing the work of the harvest and driving trucks to the elevator? You know, how many times did he do that? You and I think about the seasons of farming that he participated in. And then for the family, you think about the seasons of life that he was there for. Seasons as a family grows. Seasons as a husband. Seasons as a father, as a grandfather, as a great 
grandfather. And as the family has told me stories, I just have to commend Mr. Cottle for the way he threw himself into those seasons. Rick was sharing with me about how he would come to the races, how he would follow him and Shane and Colton, and he went to every race he could go to. He was there for those seasons. I asked the grandchildren for some memories that they would share, and Dylan said that I'll always cherish and remember him being at all the sporting events he could be at of mine. He was the best caddy a guy could ask for. He knew from his own experience that those are short seasons. We don't get to do those things forever, and it was important for him to be there for you. You see, that's love, but that's also wisdom. There's something for all of us to learn in that as our families grow. It's important for us to acknowledge that that seasons change, and as the seasons of life go on and in our families, in our own lives, we, we recognize we get older, we recognize there's a few more aches and pains and troubles here and there, and we struggle with our health, and how do we deal with those? You know, the Apostle Paul, he wrote to his friend Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter, uh, chapter 4, last letter that Paul writes, he, he wrote it just about six months before he died, and Paul wrote in verse 6, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. You think about life and how, to- how many times we're pouring ourselves into something. We pour ourselves into our work. We pour ourselves into our family. We pour ourselves into our sports and into our hobbies. But there comes a point when you've poured yourself in, and now it's time to be poured out. And we recognize that. We recognize the change of the seasons of life. That's essential that we, that we acknowledge that. And Jesus tells us that it's death that brings the potential for life. We plant the seed in the ground. It doesn't rot. It doesn't die in the way that we think of death. But rather, that seed is transformed. It becomes something greater. The seasons change. Harvest comes. We get involved in the work of harvest. And have you noticed that when harvest comes, conversations suddenly change? The things we talk about change at harvest. We start talking about yields, and we start talking about how dry is the corn, what's this and what's that, and we talk about wagon loads and how many hours do you have left, how many acres do you have left. With the harvest comes the produce of the fields, and with the harvest that Jesus is talking about comes the produce of our lives. He focuses on this as the point of his own story, the point of his own death. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. That single seed is gone, but what do we find instead? We find a lot of seed. We find a lot of life. We find hope. Uh, The plant produces more seed, and, and that's the image that Jesus has in why he had to die, to pay the price for our salvation so that we could have eternal life. We could have abundant life. But it's not just about Jesus. There's a lesson there for all of us because we're We're the seeds also. Are you planting yourself in someone else's life? Are you planting yourself in their life in a way to make a difference and a way that brings more life to to their life? Bob did that. He did that in so many ways for for people, especially his family. Again, the grandkids shared a few things. Emily said, if he didn't pick on you, if he didn't pick on you, you'd think he was mad at you. He was never mad at me, I would have to say, in response to that. Madeline said he would ask, who you dating? Uh, Because he wanted to know so he could scare him off. 
he picked. He picked on Emily also and said, I, he'd say, loves you, M-E-K. You know, that, that was consistent. I had that comment from, from Emily. I also had that from Haley. Bob would say, loves you. Not I love you, but loves you. I love that he said that in a present active tense. Loves you. As if it's continual. It's in the process. And it's never going to stop. It's always there. It's always happening. And that's, that's the picture of love that I think the Bible teaches us. I think that's the picture of love that we're to have. I was thinking about that statement. Loves you. There's a great chapter in the Bible. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, we call it the love chapter. And I looked at it last night and, and I thought, how would, how would Bob have written the love chapter? You know, we read it. Love is patient. Love is kind. But Bob would say, loves is patient and kind. Loves does not envy or boast. Loves is not arrogant or rude. We might leave that part out. In fact, we might leave a lot of it out. Loves does not insist on its own way is the next part. It is not irritable. <laughs> Maybe I should just quit reading 1 Corinthians 13. But it ends up saying, loves, bears all things, and believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Loves never ends. And that's the point, isn't it? That's what your grandpa wanted to show you in the way that he loved you. Loves never ends. Grandpa will never not love you. That is a gift. And that's a picture of the love that God has for you also. There are times when we think about God and we think about who we are and what we've done. There are times when we feel very unworthy. There are times when we feel like a failure. We feel like we've just messed up. But God never says, I used to love you before you did that. God doesn't say that. And God doesn't say, I will love you if you do this. Instead, God says, loves you. John 3.16, For God so loves you that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the loves that God has for you. Last year in September, Bob had some rough health challenges. And I remember I was at the Lions Club Fish Fry when I heard that Mr. Cottle was in the hospital, and uh, it was getting kind of late in the evening, and I wanted to do something. I felt, felt bad that I hadn't heard that he was sick, and my sister Colleen and I went up to the hospital, and we kind of surprised him that Friday night when we walked in, and we visited. We talked about some of the challenges he was facing. You would probably be surprised to find that he complained a little bit. Uh, that doesn't surprise you, does it? He complained. But we visited, and we, he and I had visited a lot, you know, to the coffee shop. Hello, Mr. Cottle, sir. We had, we had visited a lot. I'd, I'd put my time in <laughs> with Mr. Cottle. And so I, as I was getting ready to leave, I said, Bob, I'm, you know I'm here because I'm a preacher. And I said, uh, Bob, they don't, they don't pay me unless I pray with you. But that's not true. <laughs> But I tell people that because then I figure they understand I have to pray with them. And I say, you know, they don't pay me unless I pray with you. So, so I, I took his hand and, uh, and I prayed with Mr. Cottle. And um, I always, we, we, we prayed and we prayed for health. We prayed for peace. We prayed that he would get out soon and be able to come home soon. 
And, uh, and I prayed, I always pray for people in the hospital because the hospital, it can be the loneliest place. You, you can be surrounded by n- wonderful nurses and wonderful caregivers who, who take, wonder, take such good care of you, but you're not home. And it can be a very, very lonely place. And so I always pray for people in the hospital that they will know, first of all, that God loves them. And I prayed, remind Mr. Cottle, remind Bob that God loves, that you love him. And remind him that no matter where he is, he is never alone. And I said, amen. And he's holding my hand. And there was a little catch in his throat when he said, amen. And he thanked me for praying with him. Now, I wanted to tell you that today because death is a certainty. We, we will all face death. We all feel the finality of it today. It's here. It's hit us hard. But I want you to know that prayer is also a certainty. God hears those prayers. He hears us when we pray. And God's love, loves, is a certainty also. And I prayed for Mr. Cottle to know that. And I pray for you to know that too. In those dark times when you feel very alone, you're not alone. And God loves you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in our hurt and in our loss, we do not grieve alone. You mourn with those who mourn. Your son identified himself as a man of sorrows and one who was acquainted with suffering. And so we come to you seeking your comfort for this family, for peace through your presence and for hope through your son. Lord, a generation will come that didn't know Mr. Cottle. Uh, and I pray that we can take the best of who Bob was and carry that with us for them, uh, that they might know something of him through us. And above all else, we look to you. You are the giver and sustainer of life. We owe you all of our days, and from you we find all of our hope. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.